Hey everyone, welcome to the Borderlands podcast. This is Eric, and this week is our second episode of my final journal reflections from the summer. So if you did not, we would love for you to listen to the previous episode, which was the first journal reflection as they all build on each other. It's not very long, so honestly, if you take all three of these, uh, they probably fit into one typical episode of Borderlands. But this is the second journal on listening. If you have not, again, listen to the first one on redefining and then listen to this episode. Uh, we are glad you were here, and thanks for listening to the Borderlands podcast. In this second audio journal, I want to talk about listening. I, I believe this is the first actual action step that begins to move from self to others. Uh, after redefining, after we've reshaped our understanding of a handful of concepts, I believe we need to move to hearing the voices of those around me. And I think we need to begin by hearing the stories of our community. This reminds me of the TED Talk, The Danger of a Single Story by Chimamanda Ngoza Adichie, where she talks about how we often have this one narrative that we believe is true for everyone that falls into that category. An awesome example of this actually came at the conclusion of Race in Place by David Leong and how he shares the story of Grace Lee Boggs and how she moved to Detroit to join the civil rights movement. And she did so many things and she lived her entire life here. I'd never heard that story before. I had never heard about her, like she sounded familiar and I actually asked a friend who's very into history if she had heard of her as well. And she said, it sounds familiar, but I, I couldn't tell you who she is. And that's incredibly interesting to me because this is an example where I was confronted with a single story. And too often when we talk about Detroit or the history of Detroit, people in my community respond with, oh yeah, the riots. And how when we discuss the 60s and 70s and what went wrong in Detroit, the if not only answer, definitely the main response is that, yeah, the riots happened. And people don't often understand maybe why the riots happened or other things that actually went on that hurt and oppressed many people mere miles from where we stand and where we live. And hearing her story, so even more directly in her story, she, she moved here with her husband to join the civil rights movement in Detroit. I have never heard in the five and a half years that I've lived in this city with my wife's family living here for generations. Uh, my father-in-law is the third generation pastor of this church in this same city and Kaylee and I would be the fourth generation in this church. Of all the conversations we've had about the city, no one has talked to me about the importance or the relevance of the civil rights movement in Detroit. As I've been a part of Fuller, I've learned these things, and I've read many books, and I've heard conversations. The story of Malcolm X and how he's from Michigan. Now he was the head of the second black Islam community, uh, which was in Detroit. It still stands there, stands there today. All of these things are the result of a single story. So I believe we need to begin to listen to the stories that surround us, the stories that are in our community. Because if we don't, we're only going to move forward with our narrative, which is at best incomplete and at worst false. So we need to begin to do that. We need to hear the needs of our community. This reminds me of Ernesto Srioli's TED Talk, Shut Up and Listen, and how he talks about changing his perspective and going to a community and asking, what do you need? 
and then providing it. And he shares the the amazing story of how the community began to thrive through uh, partnerships and entrepreneurship. But it began with those who were in the community, not those who had power or money or influence, but those who be, decided to lay that aside to be helpers. This, this also uh, brought to mind the story of interchange and how when we were interchange uh, in LA, they talked about shifting their space, which wasn't large by Michigan standards, uh, and making a space for music writing and creation and recording because that's what those in the community wanted and needed. Is that the first idea that comes to mind when we think about a ministry or helping a community? Maybe not. But if that's what the community needs, that's going to provide the most help. That's going to provide a whole lot more than just taking my ideas and putting it in there. The last thing I think is hearing the possibility of our community. This comes from Block, and I referenced this idea in the last chapter, but or the last um, journal. And in his book, it's in chapter six, but I, I believe he takes this idea of possibility thinking and he takes it as a thread throughout the rest of the book from chapter six on. And it's this idea that our community doesn't need to be either A, what it is, B, what it used to be, or C, what all of these outside influences want it to be. Detroit doesn't need to be that rundown place where people go to get shot and nothing ever good comes from there. Those are the narratives of our place, but we don't have to be that. Our suburbs, our little cities don't need to be separate. They can be part of this much broader Metro Detroit community. We can lean into and hear the possibilities from those who are here about what Detroit could be. In Metro Detroit, we are a dominant culture community. Listening will allow us to gather the perspectives and realities of our whole community. Where I am, the dominant culture is white. It's middle class, it's somewhat suburban, I guess, in its understanding. But there's also a large Mexican-Hispanic population in Downriver. There's also a large Mexican-Hispanic population in Mexican Town, which it's it's always been surprising to me that there's such a large Mexican town in a place so far away from Mexico. Also a place so far away from like the edges of the country, like New York City, where people flock. Or Los Angeles, where people flock and is also close to Mexico or, you know, somewhere in Texas or, you know, the South. We are so far away, but there's such a large community. There's a, the largest uh, Middle Eastern population or Arab population outside of the Middle East in Dearborn, which is about eight minutes from my house. There's a large black population within the city of Detroit. And all of these places are pocket dominant culture communities. Now, there are no like walls or like, physical barriers anymore. Uh, so those can be crossed, but there's not a lot of interaction across those boundaries. There's not a lot of social development across those boundaries. And a lot of times people act in ways that secure those dominant cultures rather than creating a much more integrated culture that welcomes the voices of all of these people and others and others. This is a very highly diverse city. A lot of, I don't think 
a lot of people would realize that. I didn't realize that until I actually lived here and began um, to get out of my comfort zone and learn about it. But this is a very, very diverse city, but it's very sectioned off. So as we begin to listen, I think we need to listen to each of these communities and use that listening as a way to develop trust and not for the sake of something else, but for the sake of developing trust. There's not a lot of trust here. There's been a lot of hurt, a lot of heartache, a lot of backstabbing, a lot of leaving behind. So trust doesn't exist, which is why we are so sectioned off. So we need to begin to redevelop that trust across our entire city. And that begins by listening. It makes me think of Chief Arcos at the LA Hall of Justice and how we talked about community policing and how there was coffee with cops and they began just to get into the community and interact with the community. They, they wanted a different narrative for how people saw the police. So they began to write a new narrative by being welcoming, by being present, by being seen, by being known and noticed. And our community here, we need to do that. If we're talking about my church in particular, we, we need to do this as our second step. We need to listen. Often, help is a facade for developing our own little kingdoms. Now, it's not necessarily bad to have things, but why we want them, I think, is different. Uh, and I think a lot of it points to developing our own little kingdoms. Like there's a shift in emphasis from individual person to individual entity. So if I believe I want this, and we all believe that instead of actually coming together as community, we just focus on how is my entity going to do this? How is our entity going to do this one thing rather than understanding community? I think this idea of individual to individual entity is anti-community because while it may galvanize the group within the entity, sure, the three to 400 people that are part of our entity, yeah, we grow together, but we still are isolated within our greater community. We still don't lean into what our community planner has in mind or public school officials have in mind or neighbors have in mind. Listening works to eliminate the savior complex common to my community. We have influence. We have money, maybe not as much as the north side of Detroit, but we, we have at minimum the influence and power of skin color and history. And if we want to actually make a difference, we need to start by listening, not by doing what we think is best, but by listening. And it makes me think of when helping hurts and talking about does something need to be given? Does something need to be developed? Does someone need to be grown? Like he has those three levels of care. And too often we just go with this is what's easiest and this is what we want to do. So we're going to go do them. In chapter four of When Helping Hurts, uh, Fickert and Corbet say, point out to how listening allows us to see what is needed. It's a perspective shift from seeing what we want to give to what is actually needed and what actually needs to be given. And I think that is where listening is so important for us. Just recently, uh, we began the conversations about our September 11th gathering. And I'm actually speaking at our church on that day. And my father-in-law, the pastor, won't be here. But I was told that we're going to, we have to at least play a video uh, to commemorate September 11th and what happened there. And I had this conversation with my wife that was very difficult because there's so many narratives around the United States military around patriotism and what that does or doesn't mean or how that connects or doesn't connect to the gospel. 
And I did, I don't really want to share a video about that personally, because to me in our community, it ties to some broader half truth narrative. And we aren't taking the time to listen to others and commemorating what is important to them, what is important to their communities. We didn't celebrate Juneteenth. We still have our single narrative of Thanksgiving and all of these things. I, I don't want to ramble, um, but it, it's pretty evident that there is this one train of thought that goes through things and we need to broaden that. We need to begin to shift from this is the narrative to this is my narrative. And I understand that there are other people's narratives as well. And they are just as valid as mine. I may be grateful and thankful for the U.S. military, and they may dislike the U.S. military, and that's okay. I may see Detroit this way, they may see it that way, and that's okay. And we can come together. But too often, our community has fallen into, they've fallen into the trap of, if we don't all agree on everything always, which is often the dominant culture's narrative and thoughts and understandings, then we must separate, we must leave, we must do our own thing. And if we are ever going to make a broader, whole, like real true gospel difference in this community, we need to begin by listening to the stories of those around us. The neighborhoods we're in, the cities we reside in, the metro areas that we're a part of, we need to hear those stories and hear those narratives, listen for the needs, listen for the possibilities, and then decide to move and act beyond that.